it's uh, Jack Kelly. Today on the We Crude Podcast, we're going to have three awesome guests. Uh, Mike Tuller, Heather Johnson, Steve Gordon. These are three super experienced recruiters who can tell you everything about working with recruiters. And just to give you a heads up, what we're going to do is this. Most people, you know, when you're mid to senior level, are in the zone where you're going to want to deal with recruiters. Either you're going to seek them out or they're going to find you. So I want to make it easier for you. And in this podcast, we're going to have a Q&A with these very experienced recruiters so you can kind of know everything involved, you know, from what they're looking for in your LinkedIn profile, from your resume, the type of recruiters they are, contingent versus retained, how you could sell yourself so that the recruiter could sell you to their clients. We're going to cover a lot of different territory here, but the goal is, you know, whether you're a human resource professional, a, a recruiter, a job seeker, passive or, or, or active, um, a hiring manager. I think this would be useful because recruiters play a pivotal role in a job search. And oftentimes people really don't understand what the hell they do, what their role is, you know, who's paying them, who's not paying them, why, what gets them motivated, you know, what turns them off. So hopefully we could answer all these questions so when you deal with them, you're going to go in with eyes wide open and it could help really make the difference in succeeding in your job search. And for this podcast, uh, we have three excellent experienced recruiters uh, who have been doing this for a really long time, placed thousands of people, and uh, you know, they'll give their opinions and thoughts and insight. So first we have no particular order, Steve Gordon who is the uh, West Coast business developer for uh, WeCruiter, and he has been a recruiter for probably about 10-plus years, focusing on Wall Street. Steve? Hello there. <laughs> uh, is that it? That's... Oh, did you want me to comment on it? No, yeah, hey, just, just, you know, like, hey, uh... maybe say hello, yeah. introduce yourself, you know, warm up, so, that, you know, the audience gets to know who you are. I was born a small child. Um, so, yes, uh, I... Recruited for about 10 years. Uh, now I focus on uh, business development on the West Coast for Recruiter. Um, but uh, I'm sure that uh, the numbers are accurate that I've placed thousands of people in my time as a recruiter. Well, that's, you really sold yourself there, Steve. Thanks. And hey, and then we have Heather Johnson. Heather Johnson is with the Compliance Search Group, and she uh, operates out of the Midwest and has been recruiting for a number of years and, and super successful. And would you like to say hello and maybe introduce yourself a little bit more? Yep, so like Jack said, I've been recruiting uh, with the Compliance Search Group, kind of my first position in recruiting for the past six years. And um, it's an enjoyable, it's, it's certainly a challenging position, but definitely rewarding, you know, love working with people and talking with people. So definitely happy to share tips that will help on the job search. It can be tough out there. So, um, yeah, happy to provide some helpful tips for you along the way. And not to jump around too much, Heather, but when you say rewarding, you know, is there like something that just stands out with you that you feel was it a, a rewarding experience doing recruiting? Um, you know, I think it's just the point of kind of facilitating success for like all the parties involved in the transaction, right? So, um, kind of. I enjoy speaking with people and, and meeting new people, and more so I enjoy kind of working with them almost to level up, right, to get, kind of get to that next level. So it, for a specific instance, um, you know, was working on an opportunity, 
uh, within the mortgage servicing space. The, you know, we managed to place this candidate. She got a significant bump up in her compensation, and she was just so happy. She was on the phone with me for about half an hour talking about how this is going to impact the life of her kids and her husband. You know, it was a remote position, so it allowed her some flexibility as well. So, it, you know, that was a really gratifying moment to kind of tangibly uh, see the impact that you met on people's lives, and not just the people that you talk to on the phone, but their families and extended families. So, yeah, it's rewarding in that sense, for sure. That's so great to hear, because, you know, Heather, I feel the same way. It's it's one of those things that, you know, people outside might not realize it. It's it. It makes you feel good, personally. You know what I mean? Like when you help somebody, it, it, I guess maybe that's what draws some people to recruiting because you really are making a difference in someone's life. You know, if you could get somebody who's unhappy where they are, you know, they're miserable, they hate their boss, they have no future, they're not getting raises, they're not getting promotions, you know, and they just, just feel lost. And then you can get them a better job, making more money, having a better future, a brighter future, you know, feeling good about themselves. They come home, they have better relationships with their spouse and their kids. It's, it's, it's right. It's an awesome feeling, right? It's like, it's like, right. you, it sounds corny. Right. It sounds corny. Cause like when, you know, people say, oh, you know, hey, you know, I have, you know, like you have to be a doctor or you have to go to a, you know, a homeless shelter to help people, you know, but I feel that, you know, not to get too weird, but I, I think we really help people. We make a difference, especially we've been doing this for so long that, you know, we've seen people that will place years ago, you know, at $30,000, $40,000. Fast forward 10, 15 years, they're making 300000 400000 and their life is just incredibly different. Now, clearly, you know, they did a lot to make it happen on their own, but we, you know, gave a small part to get them to where they are. Like that person you mentioned, man, right. you, you just made a difference in her life, which is so awesome. You know, it, it's, it, right. it's, it's very rare that someone could do that to another individual. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, I feel like we facilitate progress, yeah. right, for countless people. So it, it, it's like exciting to be able to be in. Awesome. And let's, let's bring in uh, another recruiter, Michael Tuller, who has been recruiting for over 20 years. Uh, he also works uh, out of the New York office uh, for the Compliance Search Group. Uh, Grateful Dead fan, fantastic guy, brilliant, smart, one of the best sourcers in the, in, in the world, you know, a uh, wonderful person. Uh, Mike, would you like to tell a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. Um, I, I don't know if I can live up to that wonderful build-up, <laughs> but uh, thank you for mentioning my musical taste. Uh, yeah, this is Michael Teller, everyone, and, um, uh, you know, just listening to the prior conversation, uh, you know, I have to agree um, as far as um, being a recruiter is, you know, uh, definitely rewarding at times. It is quite challenging. Uh, but, you know, just one of the things I've found, uh, a lot of it, uh, you know, over the years of experience, uh, you can, you know, transfer your skills. I'm always learning about new, you know, investment products, uh, types of business, you know, technology obviously has evolved and changed, changed and continues to do so. And with that comes a lot of, um, you know, change within the area that we work in, um, how uh, financial instruments are, are traded, offered, sold, uh, as well as, um, uh, you know, just uh, the different types of products and things. But so point being, it never gets boring or stale. Uh, and um, you really, communication is a big part of it. And, um, you know, just a life experience and a logical thought in general, um, you so, know, really uh, has a big hand, I think, in, in my success. So, and, so um, you feel it's like very challenging, it right? That, that it sounds like you keep, you know, one of the good things about you keep learning. There's always a new, you know, new 
uh, thing on the horizon that you have to figure out, whether it's a technology advancement, whether it's a new type of role, a new type of industry that, that you're, you're constantly learning, being, and that kind of motivates you, you know, to, to deal and you know, uh, overcome all these new challenges that, that you face, huh? Absolutely, um, 100%, uh, and you're correct. And also to your point, Heather and, and Jack as well, um, you know, there, there's you know a, a social services element of it, and you know you really do feel good about helping people. Um, you know, informing them of the market. Uh, certainly, you're not always successful, but you know if you work hard enough and are driven, um, the success just you know falls in line with with what sure. I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's a, a big part of it, and um, it, it affirms my you know uh, uh, good feeling about you know just the human humans in general and the condition, and it's refreshing, you know, speaking to people just out of school, entering the workforce, et cetera, and hear that how you know bright, motivated they cool. are, and uh, yeah, you know, cool. uh, I'll just kind of leave it at that. So, so, so now that just kind of got a little bit to to get a sense of you know, the, the different recruiters. Let, let me just throw some things out to you guys. So in terms of when you first, you know, get in touch with a, a, a candidate, you know, someone who's looking for a job, where they're either you're reaching out to them or they're reaching out to you. What do you want to see in my resume? What do you want to see in my LinkedIn profile? What do you want to see, you know, how, what do, you, how do you want me to come across to you? I'd be interested in seeing a well fleshed out profile, uh, you know, showing it, it may not have to be a full resume uh, visible, but that would be preferred. Uh, and if it's not uh, containing the full resume in the body of the profile, I certainly would like to see at least current relevant experience, you know, the last three to five years, um, you know, and, and, you know, certainly uh, make it seem like it's a real profile rather than uh, just uh, a name uh, reaching out to me. Does it, drive, uh, does it drive you then, crazy when there are uh, no pictures there, Steve? Um, not crazy, but it, it, you get like uh, maybe a suspicious feeling that maybe this isn't a real person. So, um, you know, but certainly, you know, if, if you're meeting somebody on the street, you're seeing a face. So if you're on uh, LinkedIn where most people have faces, then, yeah, you know, people should probably have a face up there. Uh, then if uh, people were reaching out to me, you know, through uh, email, uh, you know, connected to a job order, they'd see my email or reaching out to me uh, over the phone, uh, certainly just uh, being well-spoken, but being uh, a good fit for the job that they saw. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to have somebody calling you about, uh, you know, a uh, legal uh, position that is not an attorney, uh, for example. So as long as they're on point or uh, if they have my phone number and didn't see a particular job opening, but at least know that, hey, I was working in legal and compliance roles, uh, they, that's the area that they should be currently working in. Uh, you know, so just a decent level of accuracy on their part in reaching out to me is something that would be important. Now, how do you deal with somebody? Let's say I sent you a resume, and I'm, I'm you know, sending it. I want to be, you know, uh, a big shot investment banker, but I have like zero experience in that space. But I'm saying, hey, I went to the best schools. I got great, great grades. I'm really smart. I could do things. You know, how do you handle that without really just, just totally, you know, you know, hurting the guy's feelings, 
and, and make him feel bad or make him hate you, but politely let him know, what are you doing, dude? This, this is not like for you. Yeah, uh, well, beyond just pretending they got a wrong number, uh, <laughs> I would probably, uh, you know, just, just tell them, you know, basically we have to find people who have experience in the roles that right. we're trying to fill. Um, you know, if the person is saying that they work in an area where I might know a recruiter who could help them, then certainly I'd be happy to uh, give them somebody else's information, but certainly just explain, hey, I'm not going to be able to help you, you know, in the nicest way possible. I wish I could. Sounds like you're awesome and you'd be amazing. I just don't really work on those types of jobs and I can't help you. Yeah. Um, you know, you certainly don't want to waste people's time. So, you know, just, uh, you know, Tell them, hey, there's definitely other recruiters out there. I'm just not the one for you. That, 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 make, that makes a lot of sense, Steve. Heather, how do you feel about it? Because like, I know for myself that's always challenging because it puts me in an awkward spot you know, where someone comes up, you know, will come up to me either directly or they'll say, oh, my, my friend you know, Sam said I should get in touch with you because you helped place him and you know, I'm, I'm uh, applying for X job. And then you look at the resume LinkedIn profile and you're like, no. They don't do anything near that, you know, and it's just so wrong. And you don't want to hurt the per person's feelings. And then you also know that if I say, like what Steve said, hey, that I'm sorry you don't really fit, instead of taking that in the vein in which I'm saying it and, and appreciate it, I get it. They kind of get a little angry. I mean, what, what's your take on that, Heather? Right, yeah. And it's, it's a challenging spot, right? Because, um, you know, Whoever referred this candidate to you obviously thought highly of you and you want to maintain that reputation So you do want to do the best that you can to assist this person um, It's a tricky conversation, right? It's, it is what, right. Because right, you don't want to create yeah, an yeah, enemy yeah. and you don't want to hurt the person's feeling But also you don't want to mislead them and say oh, okay I'll, I'll help you and I'll send you for the for the job when you know They're not going to pick up on the person and you also know the hiring manager right. or the HR person will get angry at you Because why did you you know say hey Heather? Why did you send me this resume? This person is not appropriate and you're like uh, sorry, you know, I won't do it again, right? You know, it's right. so now you've upset way more people right so you know, I think it, it comes down to you, while while they may not be right for the role at hand, it's that introductory conversation and kind of building that trust. So you do have to be honest. Um, what I try to do is kind of lead them to that obvious conclusion that this is not the right role. So I'll ask questions. We'll maybe go through the job description briefly, and then you know ask, hey, so have you had hands-on coverage of these types of products? No, but okay. Um, you know, and ask um, maybe three or four pointed questions. Uh, so it becomes a little bit more clear to them that, hey, um, and they may even volunteer, hey, you know, if this isn't right for me, if they want to stay in touch, I see you guys post all the time, and then yeah. So I kind of led them to the water and they drank. That's <laughs> so smart. That a little bit easier. That's really smart. Yeah, so, um, so you're really subtly kind of leading them to, so they realize on their own, okay, I might not be good for this particular role I applied for, but either there might be another role I'm good for, or e even down the road, there might be something else. You know, maybe unfortunately right here, right now, there might not be a fit, but I'll gladly keep you in mind and I'll help you and we'll keep a relationship. So you kind of handle that really, I, I like that. That that's that You're smooth, you know, that's smooth. <laughs> I try. Yeah, yeah. And then back to, to, to Steve's point, you know, if I really can't help, if they're really outside of my wheelhouse, 
as recruiters, we developed this really comprehensive network with other recruiters. So, you know, I, I don't hesitate to share a person's, um, you know, resumes or backgrounds with colleagues of mine that maybe cover a different industry or a different vertical. So, um, I think it's just about kind of being open and honest and as warm as you can. Because when someone is in a job search, you know, they're stressed and they're kind of just reaching at any one or anything that can help them kind of, you know, keep their head above uh, water or the stress. So, you know, you do have to be warm in the approach as well. I think what happens with candidates, job seekers, is that they don't really understand the role of recruiters. You know, I think oftentimes they feel if I go to a recruiter, you know, they're going to help me right away and have a job for me, or they would be able to shop me to all the different places that, you know, hey, I want to work at Citigroup. I want to work at Goldman Sachs. I want to work at this cool hedge fund. I want to work at this, you know, this new Bitcoin place. And they'll presume, and I'm not really sure why, they feel that, okay, if I'm going to a recruiter who's good at what they do, either, of course, they'll have those jobs and they'll have the relationships with those companies, but oftentimes that's not the case. Also, I think they're not aware of the type of recruiters, you know, the difference between contingency and retained, which makes the way they work with job seekers way different. Now, Mike Toller, you know, because you've worked on a lot of retained searches, can you, like, just in 30 seconds say, like, hey, give, give, give the audience a little bit of what's the difference between retained and contingency searches? Sure, sure, I'd be happy to. I mean, the basic difference is, uh, you know, with a retained search, um, it's almost like we, we as a search firm, uh, are getting paid for the deal. They have confidence in us, and um, they, we are, it's, it's assumed and, and a given that we are going to fill the need for them and the job at hand. Um, so we're, you know, expected to, you know, kind of have weekly updates and meetings with the client, um, continue to source good people, and, uh, uh, you know, that's sort of from our end of the business. Uh, that's the main difference versus contingency is, you know, we only get paid uh, if we successfully place our candidate into that position with the company. Um, as far as me reaching out to different candidates and the process of uh, still trying to come up with appropriate people, I don't find that there's that much difference, you know, from what I do in trying to source candidates, whether it's a contingency search or a retained search. Um, Jack, perhaps some, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking of something where there is a, a basic difference on how uh, you would work yeah, to source candidates I don't think it's so for much each how, of those searches. What, see, what do you think? See, I don't think it's so much how we would work. What I, what I, what, you know, for you know, the people listening to it, the big difference is, if you're lucky, what I see is this, that with the contingency search, that just means that, and first of all, people won't, recruiters won't introduce themselves and say, hey, I'm a contingent recruiter. They'll just say I'm a recruiter. But with the contingency, that means, for the people who aren't familiar, a company will call us up and say, hey guys, we'd like you to place this, let's say, this accountant. And by the way, we're also at the company, we're going to post it on our job site, we're going to post it on Indeed, LinkedIn, other places, and we're giving it out to 10 other recruiting firms to also recruit for this accounting for, uh, person. So now, uh, the recruiter, let's say we have this job at Compliance Search, you know, we're all going to have to look for that accountant knowing that we're going to compete against the whole world for it. And the only way we get paid is that if we successfully get that candidate, that candidate gets the offer, accepts the offer, and stays there for a certain period of time. Usually it's like three months is a guarantee period. And if they don't stay, we got to refund the money or uh, replace the person within a certain time frame. So with contingency, 
it's it's like a foot race. You know, you have to beat out somebody, another recruiter or the company themselves to get that person. And you can put in all the time, all the effort, all the work, and end up with nothing at all because you don't get it. You know, you could send like ten great, great candidates. You know, you source them, you interview them, meet them, qualify them, prepare them for like ten different interviews each, and then one resume goes into the inbox of the HR person of the company, and they're like, oh, we like that person. So all that time and energy is, is wasted. Where, whereas with a, a retained search, and usually retained searches are for like CEOs in the C-suite, you know, that kind of higher end. So with the retained, you're paid you know, no matter what, and there's no other competition. You have an exclusive on it. So you could afford to approach it like a normal human being instead of an animal <laughs> you know, fighting against all these other recruiters. <laughs> so it's a big difference. You know, you get, you know, with retain, you know you're going to get paid. You know your, your services are appreciated. So you can do it and, and take your time and find the right person and not have to race and not have to maybe submit candidates who aren't so great because if you don't, someone else will do it in. So it's a very different world. And what's, what, what I think, what I was alluding to, Mike, tell her that is different. So let's say you're a candidate and you deal with a contingent you know, um, you know, recruiter and you don't have the right background, the right experience for that job, that, that contingent recruiter is probably not going to give you a lot of time. And, and then the candidate's going to feel you, you know blowing you off. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what, Jack? Actually, you identified absolutely the way you have to approach the search and something that, you know, I just uh, it wasn't clear to me initially, but you're 100% right. Um, and, and so certainly, so two things. One, still, if the candidate is in the of the job, as Heather, yourself, and Steve have said, you definitely have to have a, a level of diplomacy, you know, your reputation's at stake, and, and you know, you just want to be polite, and, you know, my, my own sense of, you know, morals and, you know, trying to do the right thing is, you know, to help everyone, but you have to be conscious of the time, and there are, you know, I use a combination of, of uh, styles that Heather talked about. Um, basically, you just want to communicate to the person, you know, give some examples, here's what the role's calling for, and, um, right, right, but I'm um, saying something you know, different, Mike. I just don't Mike, see what I'm, the right fit. But, but Mike, what I'm saying is this: is that like the difference is, let's say now it's a it's a contingency search, and this is what I think, you know, why sometimes recruiters get a bad rap and a bad reputation, is that if I have somebody who, you know, let's say Sam, Sam over here. Hey, Sam. Hello. <laughs> so let's say Sam in our office is going, <laughs> is going, is going, is interview, you know, comes over and wants a job, right, and. He's, he's not right for any of the jobs I have. I know if I spend too much time with Sam, I'm not gonna be competitive in all those other searches. And since maybe I'm not doing it retained, if any minute I'm not spending as a recruiter trying to fill a certain job, that means my competition is working to fill that job. So that means I might not be as polite as Heather would be with Sam because I know if I spend too much time with him, I. I I'm wasting my time and I'm going to lose out. So I think what ends up happening, recruiters aren't good at educating job seekers about what they do. So then Sam's going to walk away feeling, wow, that Jack is an ass. I hate him. He's a jerk. You know, he completely blew me off. And you know what? He'd be right in feeling that way because he's feeling that way because he came to me thinking, oh, as a recruiter, he's going to get me a job. He's, he has jobs for me. He has companies and he'll make it super easy. Whereas he doesn't fit, there's nothing I could do, I don't want to spend a lot of time because I, if I spend time with him, 
it's an opportunity to cost loss and spending time somewhere else, and I'm gonna miss, you know, I'm not gonna make a placement. So that's kind of, you know, a dynamic that, for whatever reason, is really not talked about a lot. And I think that's kind of makes people, you know, very leery of recruiters because enough people get blown off and they think recruiters are jerks. And part of, I think, what we have to do as, as, as a profession is really educate people that this is the, these are kind of the stuff we have to deal with. And e even though we may not want to come across rude or inappropriate or what have you, it's, it's the nature of the business that you ha it's speed in which you have to get those candidates quickly. Another thing that's I noticed, and I don't know if, if you guys see it too, is this: so there's a built-in presumption that if they come to you, you're going to have access to all these jobs. And if you don't have access to, or if it, if you don't have it for that particular candidate, they feel you're blowing them off and you don't have faith in them. Do you know what I'm talking about, Steve? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, and I guess, um, you know, when I was recruiting, um, I did try to be honest with people, uh, even a good candidate. Um, you know, I was talking to uh, John Smith. Hey, John, uh, you know, great resume. I don't have anything for you right now, uh, but I will call you when I do have something. And I would say, you know, and you don't have to worry about that. I'm very organized. Uh, I will call you if I have something because that's how I make my money. So if I have something that you would be a good fit for and I can place you there, believe me that I'm going to reach out to you. Uh, if you don't hear from me, that is plain and simple. I just don't have anything for you at that time. Uh, you know, like you're saying, you know, it is important for people to understand how recruiters work because when I was doing it, I have thousands of people in my database. And while I surely would like to hold their hand throughout their entire process, it's just impossible. So as a recruiter, you really only have the time to reach out to people when you actually have something to say to them. Uh, it's just too hard. It, it, there's just not enough time to, you know, tell people, you know, hey, I'm still thinking of you. I just don't have anything for you right now. So that's why it's hard when people feel like you've blown them off. It's not the case. You know, and, and, you know, that's kind of the heartbreak of the job where, you know, people will call you like, oh, I haven't heard anything from you, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, after I started recruiting, I'm like, all right, I, I need to, you know, nip this in the bud, you know, whenever I'm talking with somebody, you know, just be honest with them, you know, hey, you know, when, when I have something, you will hear from me. So, Heather, if when you're dealing with candidates, if you had, you know, if you would have the ability to broadcast them, you know, like what, what they should know, what they should do, what shouldn't they do. Like, do you have a quick do's and don'ts that, and this is not to admonish them, this is like to help them, you know, really be their best selves and to be, you know, to, to really work well with you or any other recruiter so that they could then sell the candidate to the company. I, I absolutely appreciate that it's a, a stressful uh, position to be in in the job search. Um, one of the situations that I come across from time to time with candidates that I guess feel that kind of pinch, they'll send me their resume, we'll set up a time to talk, and then I'll say, hey, you know, thanks for reaching out. Kind of walk me through your background a bit. You know, catch me up on what you've been responsible for over the past few years. And their response will be like, it's on the resume. <laughs> I, you know, right, right. And they'll say that <laughs> angrily, right? They'll say, that, they'll say not just right. say that, like, they're at, like you're an idiot way of saying things. It's on the resume, like, duh. 
What's wrong with you? Right. Right. Um, so, you know, that that's certainly not one of the better <laughs> approaches. Um, it's the start of a conversation. It's the start of hopefully a fruitful relationship. But, you know, you want to take the time to explain, you know, the responsibilities you've had, you know, obviously our resume is kind of a finite document, so if there's anything you had to leave off for the sake of brevity, um, you know, any soft skills, because that is, you know, an oftentimes underlooked component of, of a candidate's um, submission, right, the soft skills, the interpersonal skills, but on almost every client call that we're on, you know, that's a a significant requirement, you know, they need someone that can interface with regulators or has has the gravitas to in influence senior management. So just being open to having that initial conversation, kind of walking through the background, um, providing any additional color, any, um, you know, uh, specific circumstances around career movement that might seem jumpy at first glance. It it's important to be open and warm and personable on that initial conversation with, with the recruiter because, you know, we we now have to, I guess, armed with the information that you've provided us with both the resume and the conversation, now have to go out there and, and, and sell your background and sell, sell your abilities and sell, hey, this guy's a great team player, um, this, this uh, woman has led initiatives and, and managed projects, and it, it, it's just a more fruitful conversation on both sides. So I'd say, you know, be open. Um, and then, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's really the, the primary thing. I think from there you can, um, you know, the, the relationship can, can kind of take course or, or uh, c come into shape from that initial conversation. But you do have to be open. That's kind of that critical um, starting off point. So, so it, it seems, you know, very, in a way, very much common sense that, you know, a candidate, let's say I'm a candidate and I'm approaching you, Heather, or, or Steve, or Mike, I would, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm Jack Kelly, I'm a recruiter, I specialize in compliance, legal, and risk, and I'm looking for a new job, I'm currently at, um, I don't know, you know, Morgan Stanley, and I'm interested in going to another investment bank, or maybe, you know, some cool startup fintech company, and um, I'm looking, and this is an important thing we didn't talk about too, hey, with new laws that are out there in a lot of states, uh, you can't ask people what they're earning. So you, since you can't ask, you, you have to share the compensation you're earning. So it sounds like you want a, a, a job seeker to be able to really clearly, concisely tell what they do, you know, what their job is, their responsibilities, then also tie it in to what type of job they're looking for, the type of company, and why they'd be good at it. Because at the end of the day, and Mike Toller, this makes sense, right? Like you, I would want Heather or Mike Toller to be able to sell me to the company. So the best way they could sell me to the company is if I sell them on me. So it sounds like what you say, Heather, you know, those, right. the best candidates are the ones who can really package it, right? And really market themselves so that you're like, wow, yes, you, you fit perfect in, into the role. I can't wait to send your resume out there because I know you are, you're the right fit. And then if I get you in front of the hiring manager, you're going to be able to sell yourself. Sorry, just one last point. Sure. That's really why that initial conversation is important is because, you know, it helps us as recruiters kind of identify your kind of key motivation, right? 
So it's, it's different for everyone. It's not always about, you know, making the most money. Some people, you know, want uh, to work closer to home. Some people want, you know, flexibility or would be open to taking a, a cut-in comp for growth potential or to get into a particular firm. Um, and so that way, you know, with a clearer understanding of kind of those key motivating factors that the candidate has, it also allows the recruiter to be a little bit more creative, you know, look at um, a little bit more varied opportunities because, hey, this isn't exactly what she said, mm -hmm. but it does allow her to work from home two days a week. So let me circle back to her and see if that makes sense. So it, um, it, it opens up the field for you, I think, when you have that open initial conversation with the recruiter. Right. But that, that's so, so helpful. Like, Mike, Mike Tuller, do you find it frustrating when you speak to a candidate and they give you like one word answers and they can't really describe what they do or what they want to do and then they don't really want to talk about the money. Do, do you encounter that a lot? Oh, a absolutely. Um, it, it's very frustrating and it's, um, it's challenging, excuse me, how to you know, overcome that. How would you overcome it? If, let's say, Mike, you know, you, well, you know, I'm a candidate, right? And you're calling me up and, and I'm just like that one word answer person and like, what would you say to draw it out of me? Well, it, a lot of things went through my mind fast. You, you have to treat everybody case-specific and right. try to figure out the best way for, you know, there's not one answer that's going to work for every person, um, maybe stating the obvious. But so, you know, and through years of experience, you, you kind of determine that, and you, you just try to get onto their level. And I think everyone uh, on this podcast hit it, you know, hit the point, going back to kind of open communication, making the candidate aware of, you know, what your job is and how you have to do it. Uh, you know, uh, some of the basis is, you know, we work for the clients and we're paid to find the right person for the job at hand. We're not an employment agency trying to find them a job. You know, I know I'm... No, that's a key distinction, Mike. Point. You want to repeat right. that again for people? Because that, I think, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That's a really key, dis you know, distinction, which I don't think a lot of people are aware of. A absolutely. Um, and when I first joined the business, that's that's what was explained to me. It's like, hey, Mike, you know, we're not in the social services business. I, you know, oh, I feel sorry for this person. And so, you know, uh, I just want to help them find them a job. I, I mean, yes, you, you have to come off that way. And, and I found why I'm successful and continue doing this for a living is that um, you can communicate to the person and make them aware of that. You know, that's a big, big difference. And when they understand that, that overcomes a lot of, uh, you know, these difficulties that we're talking about. And so, um, you know, just clearly let them know and, and be transparent, you know, sort of how it works on our end of the business. And really, the, the end of the day, the result you want to find is I'm not being rude. I'm not, you know, uh, you, you're not wasting my time, but, you know, you're, there's value to the relationship. And just uh, explain to them about the process and then all those other things fall into play. Um, if you have a person who's giving you that one-word answer or something, you know, just um, go back directly to them, you know, and say, expand upon that thought. What do you mean? You know, for example, you know, tell me, uh, yeah, yes, I'm, a, I'm good at project management. Well, give me some examples. So you got to um, lead them. you gotta, you got to draw it out yeah. of them. you got to, you know, you, you right, have to find right. ways to get them to talk and open up. So with the idea that, hey, you're trying to help them the best way you can help them if they are able to share to give you enough information that you could really take it and use it and bring it to your client and sell them on your candidate. Absolutely. Uh, you know, agreed. Do, how about um, this, Mike? Do you, you know, for, for all of you guys, are there certain pet peeves that drive you crazy? Like, let me give you an example. 
and I'm not, I don't think people necessarily do this on purpose, but this does happen, and maybe to give a heads up, you know, I'll call a, I'll call a candidate, hey, have you heard about, you know, this job? No, not at all. You know, it's with company X. Have you heard about it? Nope, 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 nope. And then you go and spend, you know, next 10, 15 minutes chatting about the job, you know, doing all your, you know, getting all the information from the candidate and all that kind of stuff. You know, submit the resume, give a whole nice write-up, and then two seconds later, you hear back from the company, oh, Nicole applied here, you know, two days ago. And also, they applied through a recruiter, you know, three weeks ago. And you're like, God damn, what the hell? You know, I just had a whole conversation for a half hour with this person, and they never told me. That is absolutely <laughs> probably the most crushing and frustrating piece of news you can find. And you, and you get angry because you wonder, why didn't they tell me that from the beginning? And, of course, we all know the reasons they may um, not tell you is they feel, well, you know, maybe the recruiter didn't put me in, or, or even though I applied, you know, the recruiter can get me the interview. But they have to understand that we just can't. Um, the point is, we can't work with them if that is the case. See, this is a little inside baseball. So it sounds like what you're saying is this, that what ends up happening is this, because going back to what we're talking about, let's say, contingency searches, where it's a foot race to get a candidate. So, you know, you may send it to, you know, recruiter A, and recruiter A, you know, submits it. Nothing happens. The candidate, you know, is like, okay, let me try recruiter B. And recruiter B, even though maybe they know that the other person sent it, they'll submit it anyway, maybe hoping somehow, some way, they'll get the credit for it, and then so on. And then the candidate will send it him herself. So it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic. It's a very odd thing how that works. And it just makes everybody look bad. You know? Also, you ever see where you, you'll put a person in, they'll interview, everything goes great, and then Heather, every, and then six months, you know, nothing happens. Six months later, you find out on, on LinkedIn, your candidate is working there. Have you ever seen that happen, Heather? Yeah, absolutely frustrating. Um, and you know, you think it's just, it's a simple phone call. It's just common decent to just, you know, kind of circle back and um, uh, update. You know, we would have had phone, if I submitted maybe two phone conversations, certainly email exchanges, I, you know, confirm via email, hey, thanks for the resume, we'll be submitting to XX firm. Um, so it's, you know, even easier. Just send me an email, hey, XX firm reached out, um, you know, not sure, I know it's been some time, and we could, you know, work through that, you know, potentially awkward situation together. So that's, yeah, that, that is certainly another one of the frustrations. Um, another one that comes to mind, it's a particular uh, experience that I had. So working with a candidate, he's interviewing, you know, stellar, stellar interview, fifth round, um, and then they've made the offer. Um, and, you know, while negotiating and they're doing background checks, it comes up that, hey, he's no longer with the firm that, you know, the resume shows he's presently at. And unknown to, to me or even, you know, HR or um, the hiring managers that he met with at the firm, yeah, he was laid off during the interview process. I, you know, I think the relationship between a candidate and a recruiter is a strategic one. You know, you and I kind of are open and share all the relevant information behind the scenes so that we can strategize. How do we position around this? Okay, you know, and especially given the fact that recruiters have had, you know, experience dealing with various placements and issues and things falling through and all these quirks, you know, we can advise how best to position and how best to, um, 
you know, words they tell us to, um, you know, really approach the situation so that you are still able to uh, attain the position that you're looking for. But if you don't tell me and I'm caught off guard, um, it looks bad. The hiring manager is right? caught off guard. It, it, it looks bad for everybody. Be, to navigate. Right. Because yeah. if, if, if they would have told you, if that person, and this is, this is key, you know, for people who listen to it, it's, it's better to be open about it, just like any relationship, because these things come out. They always come out. So in any personal relationship, you want to be open and honest from the get-go because then they find out later, then they don't trust you and they'll never trust you. So if that person would have said to you, hey, Heather, I, I was embarrassed to say something, but I know it's important. I was downsized. There was, I didn't do anything wrong. There was a reorganization, and, and you know, I'm not with the company any longer. You probably would have been you know, feeling sorry for him, but at the same time, this sounds so cold-blooded and cynical. You're thinking, huh, good. We don't have to worry about a counteroffer. We don't have to worry about, you know, we don't have to worry about him giving two weeks' notice and taking forever to go. Right. So it actually works in the favor where you could go back to the company and say, hey, you know, bad news, good news. You know, our candidate, unfortunately, you know, reorg is no longer there. So it makes them available to start as soon as possible. I know you needed a, a person right away. So I think you told me you have other candidates, but they're going to have to give at least two weeks notice. You know, they may get a count offer. My candidate could start tomorrow and, you know, probably won't negotiate as much because they want a job right away. So the irony is you could probably have spun that to a positive and made it work for you and made it work for the candidate. So that, that's... With some forewarning. That, that, that reminds me, there's one other thing too that I think you know, is a challenge that happens all the time where you'll speak to a candidate and they'll say, hey, you know, throughout the whole process, you know, I'm, I'm making 80,000, I'm looking for 100,000, just for the sake of conversation. Go through five, six, seven rounds, three, four months, then an offer is made, you know, 102. And you're like, Mike Toller, I got an offer for you, it's 102, you want, you know, you're at 80, this is fantastic. It's a little more than we were pushing for, it was over the higher end. And then, you know, Mike Toller report back, um, you know, I was thinking about it, and you know, I really want to give it some more thought because uh, I got to really think about it a little bit more. I was thinking really more like 125,000, and um, I really want to sign on about 10,000, please, because yeah. And you're like, what the hell? You were eighty thousand dollars. They give you a hundred and two thousand dollars. You said that's you wanted a hundred. Now 125. What are you doing? And you know, you see things like that all the time. And I think what happens is that you have family members, friends, colleagues with the best of intentions, you know, they'll tell, you know, the candidate, oh, you gotta, you gotta push for everything you can because this is where you get the most money when you go in the door. And then they're like, all right, I guess I will. And then they do. And then the, and the, and then the company is like, Jack, I hate you, you suck. You told me they'd sign on, you know, right away on 100. And I'm like, yeah, but he said so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure you did. Sure he did. And now he wants 125. You know what? You know, goodbye. <laughs> so, so yeah. Yeah. Those are issues. <clears throat> Nicole's giving that. I think we went way over what we were going to go over. But you know, I hope I hope the people who listen to it appreciate that. You know, this podcast may be different than other you know podcasts you listen to, and purposely so because I think when it comes to someone's career and livelihood. You know, when it comes to someone, you know, who either has to find a job because maybe they're in between jobs and they need the money and is a real serious hardship not to be working, or you're in a bad situation where you're not treated well, your your boss is just horrendous, 
or you just want to get to that next level in your career, dealing with recruiters is a critical part uh, of, of the job search process. And I'm not saying that just because you know, I've, I'm a recruiter and the folks here have been recruiters, but it's just part and parcel, particularly if you're a mid to senior level executive, you know, that's a key way that you could find all these opportunities. So I, I thought it made sense to just have a very calm conversation. And I know, you know, everybody wants to hear yelling and screaming and fighting and arguing, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what sells. But I think in this instance, it's way too important to, do, to, 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 to get engaged in that kind of nonsense. I think it's really important to really hear out what recruiters think, how they act, what they want to see in resumes, in LinkedIn profiles, how candidates should approach them. And this is all so that they can help you shine and they can get your foot in the door and they can help coach you to get that job. So as always, what we're trying to do here is be open to, you know, outside of the podcast. So Nicole is going to put all our contact information, you know, on here so that if you ever have questions, you want to hit us up directly, feel free. You'll be glad to help answer any questions, you know, you know, see if we can help you with your jobs or just be a sounding board. You know, hey, hey, Heather, hey, you know, Mike Toller, I have this offer. I don't know. What do you think about it? Is this fair? Am I being taken advantage of? So however we could help, we'd be glad to do so. So thank you very much for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and, and uh, we are planning to do a whole bunch more of these. Thanks so much. <laughs>